everybody. Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show. How you doing? Episode 49. I'm your host, Elise. We're in my living room. I was trying to figure out my new MacBook computer, you know, because I think I told you last time, my kids broke my phone, my prints on my computer. God, setting up a new computer is not as fun as it used to be. I have all these settings on here, like how to record the podcast and stuff, and I have to relearn how to do it on these new updated programs. Oh, I can't handle it. Anyway. How are you? How was your weekend? Hopefully it was good. I feel like I'm dying for it to be a little bit warmer. How about you? I'm sure that you are. Let me tell you, I actually don't like the summer. I mean, when it's the dead of winter, the end of the dead of winter, I start itching for that that summertime feel. But when it's actually summer, I couldn't think of anything worse. Can you imagine living in Manhattan, if you don't already, during the summer? No pool, no backyard, pounding the pavement with steam coming off it. It's really horrible, to be quite honest. But just at that point where I'm like, forget it. I'm sick of this weather. I'm sick of the cold. The other day, my girlfriend tells me, oh, it's nice out. Yeah, it's beautiful out. It's a beautiful, bright day. I go outside. It was raw. It was 32 degrees. I needed a winter coat, hat, gloves, boots. <laughs> I'm said, I'm done with this. I am done with this. Fact of the day, Venus has powerful winds, super powerful winds. Venus, the planet Venus, it's a hellish planet. It has ridiculously high temperatures. It has ridiculously high pressures and and there's insane winds that, that flow across Venus. Basically, the winds on Venus, they flow 50 times faster than the planet's rotation. Why I'm telling you this is because I was looking at my bookshelf and I saw the book that I just ordered, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And it's like, of course Venus is a hellish planet with, with giant wind gusts all over the place. And of course that book is referring to women as Venus. I haven't read that book, so I, I bought it, though, to read it. I heard it's great. You know, it's been around forever. Have you read that? I, uh, I've read a lot of these dating books, but this one, it's an oldie but a goodie. I actually bought it. I bought it on Amazon used, and I saved myself a few dollars. You know, the used books, by the way, on Amazon, they're fine. If you just want to get a book, right, and, and you don't want to buy them. I usually buy new the new books. Like, I like hardcover books. I think, oh, I'm going to save them forever because I'm a hoarder. And I, but you know, this time I was like, you know, I'm just going to get this book. It's been around forever. I'm going to get it used. And it's, it's a beaut. It, you couldn't even tell, you couldn't even tell that someone read it. I mean, I'm sure it was found in the basement of like a cat hoarder's apartment in the Midwest somewhere, but you know, that's fine. That, that's totally fine. You know, they sprayed it with some Lysol and now it's on my bookshelf. So your weekend, good. It was good. I got Ralph's Ices for the first time. I love Ices, Italian Ices. If you don't know Ralph's, you can go to the supermarket and get like Marino's Ices. They're in the they're in the freezer section. But Ralph's is so good. They have the best flavors there, just all the flavors. And there's a, there is a place on the Upper East Side. There's two places on the Upper East Side, one on 2nd Avenue, one on 1st Avenue. And I got it. And, of course, I got the most disgusting. You know, because, you know, like, what, you, you, something has been, because it's, it's, right, it's like supply and demand. It's been closed for the last God knows how long. So, finally, they opened back up. Hallelujah. And, and I go, and, you know, you can get these sizes, extra small all the way to extra large, or, or maybe actually like a half of a gallon or something like this. I got a pint for, for one, one, one eating, one sitting. I, I don't care. I, I, honestly, I don't care. It, the calories actually weren't nearly terrible. They weren't terrible. They weren't nearly as bad as that dessert coffee I was drinking from Starbucks. But I got lemon mixed with spumoni, mixed with jelly ring. Jelly ring is chocolate with pieces of jelly ring. You know that kosher candy jelly ring? It's not for everybody, but I, I love it. 
So that's what I got. And then I sat and I ate the whole thing in one sitting. I wasn't going to take it home. I wasn't going to let that take up room in my freezer. Why not? You only live once. I was so happy that they opened. And if you are, if you don't know Ralph's Ice, you got to go. You got to go. But you you probably know them. Anyway. Richie Tinkin, the the owner of the club, the comic strip, he passed away last week. So sad, such sad news. He was sick for a long time. I don't know with what, but he was a great guy. He was a uh, he. I don't know. Have you been to the comic strip? Let me say, have you been to the comic strip? It's a it's a comedy club, small club on Second Avenue and um, maybe like eighty second Street, eighty third Street. It's uh and it's it's famous. It's been open forever. It's been it's been open for thirty years and. They have, you know, and it's fun because they have comics, obviously, and, you know, regular shows, 8 p.m. shows, 10 p.m., and then they have late-night shows. I was a, a regular late-night comic at the Strip, um, and, you know, the club has been closed, for, obviously, for the last past year, and um, and Richie was the owner, and he was just wonderful. He was a wonderful guy. He's owned the club all these years, and he lived out in New Jersey with his wife, and he used to come, you know, late, late in his late 70s, he used to come to the club every night. Every night he drove in from New Jersey, like clockwork, rolled into the club, maybe 9, 9.30 at night. And, um, and you know, and he would just hang out with the comics and, you know, talk to all of us and he would go in his office and he would bring, invite one of us at a time in his office and just to sit down, you know, all completely, not nothing disgusting, you know, just to talk and talk about the business. And the guy is such an interesting guy. He discovered Eddie Murphy. Um, and you know, as we get older, sometimes we tell the same stories over and over again, but he discovered Eddie Murphy and he would, he always would call me into his office and he would say, Oh, I discovered Eddie Murphy and he used to come here all the time. And he was always practicing for his specials here and, and, and and on the Eddie Murphy stand up, which if you haven't seen it, delirious, you gotta watch it. Delirious is, uh, and it's just, it's great. It's Eddie Murphy, you know, just when he started his career and Richie Tinkin, shopped for this red leather suit that Eddie Murphy wore for for the uh, special. And he would tell me that story over and over again. Not only me, he told everybody that story. Everybody that went into his office heard the same story, how he discovered Eddie Murphy and he shopped for the suit. And, you know, it's it's just like a slice of history that you, you, you couldn't get anywhere else. And, you know, it's so funny because... As a comic, when you're in those situations, like, it's not a situation, when you're having those conversations, like, you don't, this is just like hearing about, you know, if you're working at a corporate job, you work in an office, for example, and you hear, and say you work for a tech company, and you hear, oh, Google's doing X, Y, and Z. You don't think that it's like the Google, you know, like the Google that everybody uses everywhere in every part of the world, Google. Like, you're just like, oh, Google, the other tech company that's similar to ours. That's like what, it's like when you're a comic and you hear some people talk about these mega celebs like so you know there I am you know lowly little comic at the strip having a good time hanging out with people and then you know you go into this guy's office and he's talking to you the owner and he's talking to you about the the, his experiences with mega celeb Eddie Murphy and you kind of forget that you're talking about like the Eddie Murphy you know what I'm saying anyway it was uh I, he was just great. I got, I auditioned for the club a few years ago and he, I, you know, and then let me tell you what this audition was like. You want to hear what this is like? Let me tell you. As a mother of two kids, this is exactly what I should be doing. The audition for the club was you showed up at the club one afternoon during the week, maybe like two o'clock on a weekday, you show up at the club and they give you a number and, uh, and then, and they give you a date, 
a number and a day. So you wait online. Let me say this. You show up at the club at 2 o'clock, you wait online. I wait on a giant line, like 300 people deep, wrapping around the blocks, corners, whatever. And they give you a, a you get a number, you know, and that's your number on the line. And when they call your number, they uh, you, you get there and they give you a date. And that date is to come back to audition for the club. And when you audition for a club, it's basically, they call it, you, you pass. You're going to be passed at the club. And if you're passed at the club, that means you could you could get put on shows, you know, and you could you perform there. They're basically they're validating that you're funny and people want to see you and they think you have something, whatever. So I was on this line and you know I got the number and you know of course I'm getting texts from my babysitter like when are you coming home? Bring home nuggets and I'm like I'm thinking to myself I'm sitting actually on the sidewalk at Second Avenue. I have a lot of more important things to do, priorities, right, people. So anyway. I got my date for the club, and uh, it was months out. It was like five months from the the lineup time, you know? But I put it on my calendar. I put it in a million places so I would never forget it. And, you know, the audition was I had to go to the club on this date during their late-night show. So it was like maybe, I don't know, 10.30 at night, 11 o'clock at night. And I had to do a perform five minutes of stand-up for Richie, the owner. And I did it. And after he met with, and you know, there was other people auditioning that night too. And after he met uh, with each person that was auditioning, maybe there was a few of us per night. And um, and he says what he thought about you, your comedy. And at the time he had said to me, you know, he, he passed me. He said, listen, he said, how long have you been doing it? I told him. He said, what's your background? I told him. And I told him, you know, I'm a mother, I'm, you know, blah, blah. And he just said, all right. He said, listen. I like you. There's something special about you. I don't know what it is. I just want to hear you talk. He said, and just don't forget that I'm the one that discovered you. And, you know, I walked out of there like on cloud nine. I don't even know what the hell that meant. For all I know, they could have just wanted more girl comics in the club. And that's why he passed me. But you know what? It was wonderful. And I'm so sad to hear that he died. And, you know, and he died. And, um, you know, during this time, like his club didn't even get to open back up and he didn't get to go and have a last few hurrahs, you know, driving in from Jersey and seeing all the comics and seeing everybody on stage. And I, I know he was sick for a long time. Like I said, I don't know with what, but that probably killed him even more so than not the having the club closed. Right. Anyway, I, uh, I'm sad about that, and I don't know what's going to happen to the Strip now. I'm just going to assume they're going to reopen also on April 2nd, because New York City said the clubs can open on April 2nd, and, and things will go back to some version of normal. Maybe his son will take over. I don't really know. I don't really know. But, um, but yes, April 2nd, the comedy clubs open back up. This is huge news for people like me, my God, and you, my God. You get to go out and see live entertainment again. Only at 33%. 33% the clubs are allowed to open. You know, and some clubs might feel, I don't think anybody actually is going to stay opt to stay closed. But some clubs might say, you know what? At 33%, we might have to stay closed because our operating costs are more than, you know, that, that than the, the revenues we could make, you know, take in. But I don't think they're going to say that. I think everybody's very excited, clubs included. People want to go to comedy clubs. People want to laugh. People want to see live entertainment. Um, and it's ridiculous that they've been closed so long, right? I mean, all, all these other businesses, for the most part, were able to open back up, except the clubs were not. And it's like, you know, the stage at a lot of clubs, well, I shouldn't say a lot, oftentimes the stage is far away, far enough away from the crowd. And if it's not far enough away from the crowd, the clubs, 
can put up like a plexiglass sort of thing between the, to split the comic, you know, the, the comics, uh, uh, the comic on stage and the, the audience. So there's no transfer of germs. And if you have a club and you could put your tables, you know, six feet apart or whatever it is, why not do it? I don't know why they've been closed for so long, but we're happy. And I'm so sad that Richie, um, is not, is not around for this. And I know that all the comics that have been performing in the comic strip for years and years and years, which is not me, are equally um, sad, more so sad. They've known this guy forever, and he's just been um, an amazing, uh, uh, amazing part of their lives. And, you know, I think it goes without saying, in a lot of times, a lot of things, right, like all you need is like that one, two, three people to believe in you, right? You know, like I remember when I was doing stand-up, I was going to, started doing stand-up, I was going to these open mics and, you know, and basements of wherever and having a great time. I love all the, my fellow comics. They're definitely crazy and kooky, but so am I. And so I just would feel right at, you know, feel, feel right at home and fit right in. I was always in the minority, of course, because I'm, I'm a girl. Um, just for whatever reason, more guys do it. But you know, there were times definitely that I thought, what the hell am I doing? What the hell am I doing? Like I'm, I'm literally in a basement in the East village at, at 12 PM, you know, when I should be doing other things and like, I am here, you know, and is this, is this the right life choice for me? Is this, is this a midlife crisis or something? I had no idea, but I just went with it. And as I performed more and more, um, and I started getting little pieces of validation here and there, and not to say that my material was there yet, you know, because that's always a work in progress. And I don't even know if it still is. We'll see. You could be the one to judge when you come see me. You could say, you know, I like listening to her on the podcast. I like to talk to her on TikTok and Instagram, but eh, in person, meh, maybe I'll pass. But someone like Richie saying to somebody like me, who was a busy working mother with two small children and spending my time doing this, somebody like him saying to me, I think you really have something and I think you should stick with it was just a beautiful thing for me to hear. Because let me tell you something, my family did not think what I was doing was beautiful. They still don't like it, to be honest. I think I, I was, my mother tells me that my, that me doing stand up makes her uncomfortable. Oh, why? Why does it make you so uncomfortable? So, but you know what? I'm a grown woman and I could do whatever I want to do. And, you know, it's nice to have another person, um, an older person say, no, this is actually, this is actually a good thing. You definitely should be doing this. So rest in peace, Richie Tinkin. Um, and if the comic strip survives his passing, which I really, I think it will. And I, 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 it should, I hope you guys come there because it's, it's a fun little club and it's small and it's intimate. And Jerry Seinfeld, you know, has did, worked out his special stuff there. Like, the, every, like everybody has been there. But anyway, anywho, I made a delicious chicken the other day, a delicious chicken dish. Let me tell you about this. Okay, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy. You know, I have the Dutch oven. I love the Dutch oven. I had a couple of chicken breasts, whole chicken breasts. I made this chicken with cranberry and balsamic vinegar. It was so easy to make, and it was delicious. And I served it with uh, little potatoes and some string beans. Let me tell, I'll tell you how I made it. So basically, I took the Dutch oven. I put a little oil in the Dutch oven. I browned the chicken on either side, right? Browned the chicken breast on either side, maybe like, I don't know, four minutes each side. I took the chicken out of the, the, the Dutch oven. I deglazed the Dutch oven with a little bit of chicken broth, you know, maybe like a, a quarter of a cup or something. Then I put in a half a cup of onions, sliced, sliced them, cooked the onions for about maybe 10 minutes, 
And then I put in a half a cup of balsamic vinegar, one cup of chicken broth, and a can of whole cranberries, you know, like ocean spray, like a can of cranberries. And then I put the chicken back in, you know, mixed it all up together, brought the whole thing to a boil. Then I put the the, the gas on uh, medium low and I cooked it for about an hour. And if it, if it, if it, and I had to stir it every 10 minutes, you know, check on it. And, and if it was getting dry, I, I added just a little water. It was delicious. Basically the chicken was braised. Um, it, it fell apart. You know, it, it was, it was beautiful. It was like, um, it was like pulled chicken kind of thing, but with balsamic and cranberry. And if you want to be fancy, you could put a little, um, chopped parsley or, you know, minced parsley on top when you're serving it. But it was yummy. I love, I love, I love cranberry and, and balsamic together. You could really get fancy with this if you have figs. You could put figs in it or dates. But I, I love it. I made it, um, and and I totally recommend. I just made it up. I was like, you know, in the, my pantry, like looking at this can of cranberries. Like, oh, I bought too many of these, like, because I have a problem, and they were on sale, you know, at the supermarket. What am I going to do with it? And and that's how the whole thing. That's how the whole thing happened. Did you watch, speaking of Eddie Murphy, by the way, did you watch Coming to America too? Did you watch it? I loved it. I, you know, first of all, it didn't get the best reviews. If it's on Amazon, if you haven't watched the first one, by the way, you got to watch the first one. Hilarious, but 30 years old, 30 year old movie. But they made, you know, they made Coming to America too. I, I did, some people said it was terrible. I read some reviews that were, I loved it. The whole movie, there's no spoiler. There's no spoilers here. The whole movie, it's basically, it's just like about a, being a blended family and having like a family reunion sort of thing. Eddie Murphy, this is, this is the, the gist of it. And again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not spoiling anything for you, but Eddie Murphy finds out he has a son with some woman from when he went to Queens, you know, in the first movie. And, and the whole movie is about that situation, becoming a blended family or not becoming a blended family. It's about cr- cross-cultural, you know, African culture and this New York culture coming together. It, it, I thought it was great. I love a good sequel. And, you know, some people say things like, oh, it's better. Le- some things are better left off where they end. You know, I'll leave things to the imagination. Not me. Why? 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 Why, why, leave, why leave it that? I want to know what happened. When, when him and Lisa, when Eddie Murphy... Prince Akeem and, and Lisa, when they got married in Coming to America, the first one, I wanted to see what happened. And I, please, and I, 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 I literally, I literally was so happy that this was made. I mean, people say, oh, better left weird. Not me. I'm still, I'm, I'm still stalking ex-boyfriends of yesteryear. Of course I want to see sequels to movies. I don't care if they're that great. <laughs> we'll talk about stalking in a second, by the way. Um. The cast was so good. It paid homage to so many black, funny people that are just ridiculously talented. I feel like it, it, it brought back some careers for some of them. It was Eddie Mur- in the movie, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Tracy Morgan, Salt and Pepper, Gladys Knight, um, James Earl Jones, Wesley Snipes, Leslie Jones. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, speaking of, how funny is this, by the way? So it's, it's all coming together. <laughs> It all comes together in the end, right? Leslie Jones. I love Leslie. Okay, let me tell you something. Leslie Jones, she is just hilarious. Leslie Jones is a stand-up comic. You might know her um, as a stand-up comic, or you might know her. She hosts Supermarket Sweep, which was my favorite show in the 90s. But I know Leslie Jones not from Supermarket Sweep, whatever. I know her from the comic strip. So as a comic at the comic strip, you know, there's a big 
big, big, big pro comics that drop by and they run their stuff where there's nights, you know, where they're doing their thing. And so, you know, I would be there doing my late night comedy, you know, waiting for my thing to go up. And Leslie Jones would show up. She would show up. She was working out her Netflix special. And she... She would go up, you know, go up on stage, do, you know, 15 minutes, I don't know, 10, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes, and literally hilarious, brought down the house, even if there was only 15 people in the crowd. Because, you know, as obviously sometimes, you know, went on during the week, if something, if uh, if it's a weeknight, not everybody's out at the clubs, you know, so there wouldn't always be tons of people there, and the comic strip is a small room, but she's just hilarious. If you haven't seen her special, you need to see it. I love her. I love her. She has this one bit about Tevin Campbell. Do you know that song? You know, you know, um, what is? It? Can we talk? Remember that song? I'm not gonna sing it because I'll do. I'll I'll, I'll break. I'll break your speakers. But she uh, she has this bit about how she got invited to this party when she was younger, and 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 you know, and she's seen all the celebs, LL Cool J and Tevin Campbell, and how you know all the black people are loving Tevin Campbell, and and then she starts singing the song "Can We Talk," and you know, and 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 then she talks about the white people's reaction. It's just so funny. She's so funny. She's a powerhouse on SNL. That's oh, duh, you might know her from SNL. No. She's a huge girl, six foot, gorgeous. I love her. She she practices her comedy like an animal. I just, I just am such a fan. I actually feel that she stole the show on Coming to America too. I hope that this opens even more doors for her. I I just, I mean, honestly, me and my boyfriend were watching this movie the whole time. Couldn't even, we were just dying. She she plays um, she plays the mother of Prince Akeem's son. Uh, the mother from Queens. Oh, it, out of everybody, as much as I love Gladys Knight and Salt and Pepper and Wesley Snipes, out of everybody in the movie, Leslie Jones did it for me. Bravo, love you, boo, love you. And I hope, I hope, I see you at the strip oh, one of these days, whenever that anything opens back up. So yay! I totally recommend Coming to America too. It's a great movie. You should check it. Um, stalking exes. Okay, st- so so. I don't know. You know what? How do we get to this? How do we get to this thing? How do we get to this part of life where everybody's stalking everybody else? You know what I'm saying? Don't you agree with this? I mean, it's not like this is like weird behavior. People stalking their ex-boyfriends, their ex-girlfriends. People stalking their exes, new girlfriends and boyfriends. I have this one friend, she's a vicious little diva. She stalks all of her exes. She has a spreadsheet. She's stalking all of them. She stalks their girlfriend, their new girlfriends, their wives. You know, I'm <laughs> one time I said to her, oh, what's going on? What's going on with your ex? What's going on with Matt? Nothing, same old. Oh, actually, that's not true. His mother moved. She she bought a new house. She downsized. I'm like, how do you even know that? She says, her mail's going to a different address now, Elise. She paid X, Y, and Z for the house. I, you know, I know. I know these things. How do you know? I saw the car in the driveway. What are you doing? Drive-bys? What are you, nut job? No, I Google Earth that shit. I was like, oh my God. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not guilty for some of these things, but that that's that's a whole nother level. There's a book someone was telling me about. There's actually a book. Um, it's by this woman, Dr. Flores, Dr. Susana Flores. It's called How Facebook Affects Our Emotions, Relationships, and Our Lives. And um, in the book, I, I don't have the book. Just a friend was telling me. She's like, oh, you should talk about this on your podcast. And I'm like, really? I, I don't even know this book. But she said, at least, because we were talking about stalking. And she's like, at least 70% of people. 70, 70 of people stalk their exes on social media. 
she got this from the book. And I was like, oh, hmm, how about that? But it's like, why do we do this to ourselves? I don't, it, I don't know. I mean, look, like I said, do I sometimes check in on ex-boyfriends? Of course I do. I mean, I would be, I would be inhumane not to. But why, why are we doing this so much? Like, is it because we're not okay? Are people not okay with, with their, with their current life? Is it, are they insecure? Is it a narcissist thing? And it's like, why are we benchmarking ourselves against other people's current situation? Is there a competition? For me, personally, looking up the ex-boyfriends from time to time, I'm just curious. I'm genuinely just curious. I, I Honestly, I, and I mean that. I'm genuinely just curious. Um, and for whatever reason, I th- well, for me, and probably like you too, it's like overeating. It feels so good in the moment. It feels so good in the moment. You're like having nothing. Like there I am having nothing to do. Having nothing to do. You know, maybe this is that. You know, it's like towards the end of the night. I could go on Amazon. I could buy a bunch of stuff. I could put a bunch of stuff in my shopping cart on Amazon. Walk away. Abandon the cart. Or, oh, light bulb. I could just go look up ex-boyfriend number 20, you know, and um, go see what he's up to. And it's it's literally, it's like overeating. So good in the moment, in the moment. You think it's a great idea to have that 19th chicken cutlet. And afterwards, you feel nauseous. Not nauseous. I'm not nauseous on the couch because I looked up his life. I just, like, afterwards, I take a glance. I'm like, why did I just do that? It did nothing for me. It literally did nothing for me. It's like... It, 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 at least when you eat, you know, you, you do have that, that, that filled up feeling, even if that feeling does make you nauseous. It, you, you know, you, you're like, okay, now maybe this will, this will spur me on to a new diet or something. This never spurs me on to not do it. I don't even know why I do it. It just is terrible for the psyche. In this book, uh, I don't know if actually, I should have asked her. I don't know if she got this from the book. My girlfriend got it from this book um, by Dr. Flores, this Facebook emotional relationship book or she just had this stroke of genius on her own but she was like oh these the the basic rule for happiness is that if you have great things to do in the present you're not going to be glued on social media you're going to be living out your very great life and you want to know what I agree with that I do agree with that I act but what I don't agree with is I don't agree with that if you live if you have a great life you wouldn't be on social media I think that life and social media are one and the same these days. We have our friends, our outside real life friends, and then we have people that we interact with on social media. Sometimes they're one and the same, sometimes they're different. As a comic, I have a whole life on social media. So for me, that's very real. But um, I do, but what I do agree with is that if you are happy in your life and you have a full life, you will be less likely inclined to check on the ex or the ex's new relationships because you're just effing busy. You're just effing busy. But I don't know. We got into this whole conversation. It's like, and if you are obsessing about your ex-boyfriends on social media, your ex-husband, I mean, maybe, maybe you need to reevaluate your circumstances. You know, maybe, maybe you need to think about why you're doing this, you know, and, and, is it, is it because you're unhappy in your current situation? Is it that you need to fill your life up with more stuff? It's also like, how much are you doing it? Because like I said, I to me, I do this. And I for me personally, I do it. I think it's normal. What I don't think is normal is when it's like a compulsion, like a, like a, like a, like a weekly, monthly, I don't even know, daily check-in thing. And that, that's a really, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. But on the, on the X boyfriends, uh, ex-girlfriends, new relationship. 
I mean, everybody does that too. Let me tell you something, okay? But, but, but sometimes it's borderline, you know, it's borderline, you know, criminal. For example, not this situation, but let me tell you. Mm. Sorry, I had to take a sip of my seltzer. My youngest sister, much younger than me, she um, texted me a few weeks ago and she's like, oh my God, <laughs> does your ex-husband have a new girlfriend? And I was like, uh, I think he's in a new relationship or dating. I mean, I know he's dating. I don't know if they're exclusive. I don't know. He doesn't tell me anything. And she's like, he has a new girlfriend. I saw it on Instagram because we're not friends on Instagram anymore. And I said, oh my God, give me an immediate digest. I need to know like yesterday. I want to know everything about this broad, what she does, what she looks like. I need an immediate digest. Let me know. And so as a good little sister would do, thanks Gab, she provided, she got, she delivered the goods. And could you blame me? I was curious. Of course I'm curious about my ex-husband's new girlfriend. I mean, this woman, she could be around my kids. I read, you know, to be honest, I really don't care about it. I don't care for any other reason. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a scorned ex-wife, not one bit. My ex, as you know, my ex-husband and I, we have a great relationship. We talk all the time, you know, like uh, almost every day, you know, on text, always about the kids and stuff. But, and there's ne- there was never anything romantic ever that happened after we split up. But um, I'm busy. He's busy. I mean, what, what, uh, I, and I, so I genuinely, I really don't genuinely don't care about his new girlfriend um, because I have a boyfriend and I have my things to do. And it's, this is not bullshit. I mean, how much more can I do? I work full time. I'm raising two kids. I'm keeping a household. I day trade. I do stand up. I'm on social media. I have a podcast. I'm writing a show. I mean, like literally too much stuff. I'm happy that my ex-husband is happy, but I will not say for a second that I wasn't curious about this girl. Of course I was curious. And, um, and that's that, you know, and like, there's a whole thing, like, as much as we want to not like our, our, if we, so let me say this, if you are married and divorced, right? And you have an ex and he's with somebody new, you know, if he's seriously with somebody new, it's kind of like strange to, to not like the new person in some ways. If you really want to get like deep in the, the weeds of your thoughts, it's kind of like weird not to like, not to think that the person would be normal or whatever, because I mean, you were married to him. Like I was married to this guy. So, you know, and I'm sure that the new, the new girl that he's with, I mean, she's, I hate to say it, but maybe she's a little bit like me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we were together for a long time, and now he's with this new girl. So, I mean, in some ways, it's like people's taste. How much do people's taste really change? So, I, you know, I'm happy for him. Even though I call her Wolverine. I mean, like, give me a break. I mean, I got to have some laughs, right? (laughs) My new boyfriend's like, well, no, he's not a new boyfriend. But my boyfriend's like, why do you call your ex-husband's girlfriend Wolverine, Elise? Why? I'm like, because I just think she's she's a Wolverine. And he's he's like, that makes no sense. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe she has the bedside manner of a wolf. And he's like, oh, my God. He's like, it makes no sense. I'm like, that's fine. It makes no sense. But guess what? It makes me happy. So I don't care. But, um, but no, you know, I do, I, but that, that's, that's my personal situation, but I've been on the receiving end of the, uh, the, the, the stalking business and that's not a nice feeling like, you know, and, and, and for, from, 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 from past. So I've been on the receiving end of the stalking where someone dated like a, a guy that I'm with dated another woman and obviously, and, uh, or, or, or maybe like slept with her 
or maybe fooled around with her one time, whatever. And then this girl, you know, like we're talking about, is probably curious to who he's with and then, um, and, you know, and, and starts, and starts the stalking process. Well, being on the receiving end is not comfortable. I think it's normal if I have an ex-boyfriend and I was with him for a thousand years or my ex-husband, for example, and his new girlfriend's checking it out, listening. That, that's fine. I think that's normal. Great. That's, that's what, if you're curious, here you go. This is who I am. But it's weird. It's weird to me if somebody, if you don't, if you're not with the person for a long time. Like, let me tell you a little story. I can't tell you the time frame of this, but. I feel that I have a little bit of the situation going on now with another performer. I mean, it's kind of besides the point, but like literally at one time, this, this I, there, there's this person I think, and maybe they, uh, they, we dated somebody similar, and this person like, li- like literally like went crazy on me, like went crazy on me. I wouldn't be surprised to be honest. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if she's listening to this right now, but it's like she couldn't even believe. She couldn't even believe. Like that, you know, uh, the the person that that the person that I was with, um, is you know w- was was with me. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the, the, and here and this girl, she this is what she she was she was little, we went face to face, face to face, and she's saying to me, she's like, oh my god, tell me everything, tell me everything. Like, you know, is he your boyfriend? Is he this? Like, what? I don't even understand this. Like, and don't you have kids? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I do. I have two girls. And she's like, and don't you live in Staten Island? And I'm like, no, I live in Manhattan. I'm from Staten Island. And 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 then and she's just, she's going, she's like, I was watching somebody's head pop off. I didn't even know what to do, to be honest. Um, I think I tried to like calm her down, like, you know, talk her off the ledge situation. Um, but my God, it was nuts. And I just thought to myself, this bitch is definitely stalking me. Like, she's like 100%. I think I saw like shortly after that, she like, I think that she was like following me on social media or something. Then I saw she blocked me. I'm just like, like, you know what? Like what? (sighs) Just exhausting. Just exhausting. I mean, you know, and I think if I remember correctly, she was, um, she was telling me like things like about, how much money she spends on things and how, you know, other people in our same group of, of, uh, uh, of performers, you know, oh, some performers, they don't, you know, they don't have the same kind of resources that I have to spend X, Y, and Z on X, Y, and Z. And I'm just thinking to myself, you're such a lunatic. Go ahead, embarrass yourself. Cause this is funny. Cause this is not, this is like, this is like stalking that happened digitally and then, and, and, and likely, you know, virtually digitally, whatever. And then was sort of manifesting itself like in person or, or, or it happened in person and then the stalking came after. And it's like, you know, and it's like, Go, you know, I'm just like, you know, you just stand there and you're like, go ahead, embarrass yourself, embarrass yourself, say all these nut job things. You got no idea about me. Like literally, the girl had no, no idea talking about how much money she has to do certain things. And I'm thinking to myself, I am not even going to dignify anything, anything with an answer. I'm not even going to respond. I'm not even going to respond. I mean, little does she know, little does she know. I mean, I have a wonderful, you know, nine to five career that obviously is seems to be pivoting into another sort of career. Um, I live in a beautiful part of Manhattan. Beautiful, beautiful. I do have a hankering for things leafed in gold. I mean, like, but I'm not going to dignify her with those kind of responses or those kind of comments. I'm not going to dignify that maniacness. 
And, you know, that's the thing I think where this stuff gets to be dangerous is like, whether whatever happened, whatever happens to us, maybe you run into somebody, you know, and, and you realize that you both were, are with the same, were, were with the same part, you know, there was an overlap of whatever, or there's a stalk, you know, and that, and then that triggers a, a real stalking or there's a stalking and then there's a run. And I mean, like it's, it could get really nasty and people that are inherently insecure and stuff, you know, um, this is, this is, this is, this is terrible. We kind of all live in, I think, this insecure um, society because everybody's looking at other people on social media and and a lot of people benchmark themselves and, oh, she's had 30,000 kids and why does she look like Barbie from Malibu and why have I had, you know, two kids and I look like, you know, Elsie the cow. Um, but, you know, it's like it, 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 it just gets crazy. I don't, I don't know, I don't know the answer to it. I just, I don't know the answer to it. I, I don't know. I feel like though, this this trying to to mitigate this is the best. Trying to get it under control, if you're doing it a lot, um, which is my friend, and I with you know, but with the boyfriend, and and I'm like the fact that you're stalking the boyfriend, your ex boyfriend, fine, you want to look, but the fact that like you knowing the mother, the car, the where, the, how downsizing the house, like, mm, like I don't know, it's um, it's a little. Cray cray, but that's that. Speaking of family, speaking of family, I have such, I don't know why I'm talking about TV a lot today, but I have, oh my gosh, the best thing that I've watched. If you are Italian, you need to watch this. I don't even think you've ever seen this before. You're going to die. So Martin Scorsese, obviously you and I, we're fans, um, he made a documentary in 1974 of his parents, and it's called Italian American. That's it. It's called Italian American. You can watch it. It's a 45-minute documentary. It's called Italian American. It's on YouTube. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Amazon. You can't find it. This is, and Scorsese, by the way, says this is the best film he's ever made. This movie, came, this this documentary, which sort of feels like an interviewee sort of thing, it came before, this came before any of his fabulous, you know, blockbuster films that he's made. It's sort of this dictatorial style documentary. Um, and all it is, all it is, it's his two, it's him filming his two parents, Catherine Scorsese and Charlie Scorsese. And they're sitting in their living room in Little Italy in New York on Elizabeth Street. And they're just talking about what it's like, you know, being Italian on, in Little Italy, like, being Italian immigrants, the mothers and the, she's cooking meatballs while while they're filming. She's talking about how who makes the sauce. She's talking about how she learned to make sauce. She's talking about the the, the whole and the both the, the two parents. They're talking about um, their family. They're talking about religion. They're talking about their ancestors. They're talking about um, post war life in Italy. They're talking about how, what what the struggles were of being, you know, Sicilian immigrants coming into the country, what they had to do to succeed. They talk about, like, what New York is like. They're saying, oh, Orchard Street, there was tons of push, push carts and people were selling fruit and vegetables. It is just, it's such a sli- it's such a slice of life of what New York was like um, a long, long time ago. And it's so good. And if you're Italian, for one, if you have a hankering for that kind of thing, you got to watch it. But if you're Italian, it's, this is going to remind you of talking to your grandparents, to your great-grandparents. And it literally just gave me the best feeling. 
like you, I haven't seen a lot of relatives, you know, in forever. And, you know, watching this thing on YouTube the other night just was such a feel-good thing. And I, I watched it with my boyfriend, and it was so nice because, you know, we're both Italian. Both of our families are, are from Naples. And there's nothing better, in my opinion, of when you're with somebody, friends, boy, you know, friends, spouse, love it, whatever, and you're both from the same culture and you have, you know, and, and that's the commonality. And you watch something or you experience something like that together because it just gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling. But it's uh, it's so good, and the, and the mother, by the way, she's so cute. She stands in her kitchen with the blue wall, the blue floral wallpaper. The parents in the movie, they're in their sixties. By the way, these people, they were born. So this is oh, these people, they were born in like nineteen fifteen or something like that. So you know, um, but the mother, she's cute. She's like this natural storyteller, and she's making jokes, and uh, it's it was just so nice. They're sitting on their plastic covered couch and. <laughs> It was fabulous. It, 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 I, it was fabulous. I, I, I saw a piece of it. I saw a piece of it a long time ago, and I kind of just, you know, like, <clears throat> I don't know. I thought I was probably distracted or something, you know, or younger and, like, didn't know what the hell I was watching. But it was just so good. Check You got to check it out. Italian-American on YouTube, Martin Scorsese, and Marty Scorsese, if you want to call me to be in your movie. I mean, I'm a perfect cast, right? I'm a totally perfect cast for one of his movies. But, oh, God, you got to watch this. Okay. Usually I talk about a product of the week or sometimes a qu- and or sometimes a question for the audience. But this kind of is uh, all in one. So I got a uh, message, an email. Thank you, doll. She says to me, um, hey, Elise, where I need your help. Where can I find house dresses? Because, you know, that's that's obviously a thing <clears throat> to me. Um I have some some info for you on that. Okay, so the other day on TikTok, I wore this uh, leopard momo, which I like to call it. I guess it's really called the caftan. I don't know. That's Notori. That's Notori, the brand Notori. I, my Notori things, you know, you could buy them from the website. They sell them at, like, stores like, you know, Saks and Nordstrom or whatever. I get a lot of Notori things, or I should say I did get a lot of Notori things at Century 21. Still closed. I mean, they're not still, is closed. If you want to look <clears throat> on off sacks that they have in your website, you can find some stuff there too. Um, a lot of other, but that's, and that's, that's like the, those notorious sort of moo-moo-y things. And they're like, they're like a little glamorous. Joan Rivers wore a lot of n- notori, um house dresses and momos. Um, to be honest though, I got a lot of my house dresses from street vendors, like literally in Harlem, on guy on the street selling cotton dresses, you know, sleeveless or tank dresses made in India for five dollars. That's my thing. Like I'll be I'll be shopping around maybe on 125th Street, whatever I'm doing, and then there's these people on the street. They're just selling, you know, they're selling whatever. I love them. I love the cotton. It's a soft cotton. It doesn't make me, you know, doesn't make me disgusting because sometimes, you know, like the notori things of polyester, which you know really, and they used to be silk, like a long, like ten years ago. I don't know why they changed. Of course, I know why they changed. They changed to save money, just like everybody else. But anyway, um, the 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 cotton five dollar dresses are great. I picked them up at TJ Maxx at Home Goods. If you want to look online, though, there are some some places. So there's this vendor, this uh this brand, I don't know if it's a brand or a store, whatever it is, on Etsy. They're called Gypsy. G-I-P-C-I. Gypsy. G-I-P-C-I. They, this brand, they're not so cheap. I mean, 
cheaper compared to Notori. But this brand on Etsy, they're like $50, $60. They make gorgeous momos, like in, like cotton, Egyptian cotton, long to the floor, perfect for summer, embroidered, cool designs, like super, super cool. I love, I love them. If you want to get really old school, if you want to get really old school with the moo-moos and the house dresses and the house coats, you got to go to National. N- National is a catalog for old ladies, okay, that I get. Yes, it's still a mail order catalog. It's l- literally hilarious. Like, <clears throat> I had a friend in my apartment, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and she's like, you know, they got the mail. It's on the table. And she's like, what the hell is this? what the hell is this, Elise? And I'm just like, what? It's a catalog. And she's like, like Spiegel? I'm like, no, not like Spiegel. I'm like, it's for old ladies. And she's like, Elise, you're not an old lady. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. National sells Velcro sneakers. I know, brace yourself. Velcro sneakers. (laughs) This is true. This is so true. true. I mean, everything I say is true, but this is just, it's like, it's so true. It's embarrassing. Velcro sneakers, walkers, <laughs> bra extenders. Do you even know what a bra extender is? It is. It's a thing. You put a hook on the back of your bra to make it bigger because you got too much back fat. <laughs> but National sells um, house coats and they like snap front house coats or like um, sleeveless dresses, you know, like like in a light floral plin- print or like pinstripes. I have a couple of them. Look. They're hideous, but they do the job. I don't give a shit. When I get out of the shower and I I, I'm, I dry off, I you know do my hair or put it up in a bun or whatever the hell I'm doing, I I, I have kids. I have a boyfriend. I, I live in an apartment. I got to go throw out the garbage. What do I do? I go right into my bedroom and I put on a house dress or I want something that snaps, that has pockets so I could do some errands, whatever. When I come home from work, I put on the same sort of garb. Shop National is the website, shopnational.com. That's where um, I get some of this stuff. Also, there's another brand, Amerimark. They, um, Amerimark.com, it's A-M-E-R-I-M-A-R-K. That's also like real old lady shit, like like borderline hideous. But whatever, whatever, whatever. I mean, for me, at the end of the day, I'm a single mother. So I don't, my, my, and my kids, they don't, they 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 don't they don't they don't care what I wear and I don't care what I wear. I'm just trying to be comfortable and functional, okay? But so so if that means old ladies wearing old lady stuff, fine. I'm not buying the bra extenders. Maybe one day I will. <laughs> that, those are my recommendations for where to get house dresses. But I every time but let me tell you, but I will say every time I'm in TJ Maxx, every time I'm in Marshalls, every time I'm in Burlington Co. Factory, Ross in LA, I go to Ross a lot. Because the, the Ross isn't that popular here. I check. I go and I look. And if I see something long to the floor, or, you know, or, or short, you know, depending, with pockets and, and it's billowy and it's cheap, the price is right, it's mine. If I'm doing a, a party and I want to be glamorous, I do, I wear one of my notorious. So that's what I got for you guys. That That is what I got. I hope that that helps your house dress quest. Quote of the day from Jim Carrey. Behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. That's it for the Elise DeLucci show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much. Make sure you listen to our next episode, which is episode 50. I feel like we should have a party, but, you know, of course I'm not. There's no one to have a party with. Follow me on TikTok. You can follow me on Instagram. Instagram, I post some more personal-ish 
things on there. I know a lot of you have been asking me about um, my stand-up schedule and where I'm going to be and all that stuff. And I don't know, to be honest. I just want to say this. I sh- I sh- I'll say it on, I think, the next um the next episode as well. I don't know where I'm going to be doing stand-up. All the clubs right now, they're getting all their ducks in a row. They're getting everything together, um, making schedules, maybe this week, maybe next week. And um, so it's, it's, it is TBD, but when I know, you will know. And I am so excited to, for, for that day to happen and I can meet you guys in person and, and we could do the whole do. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Talk soon. Talk soon.